All right. Welcome, listeners, to Spark Your Fire. John here with Jazz, uh, but minus David uh, David today. Jazz, how are you? Happy Friday. Happy Friday, buddy. Jazz, i got, I got to tell you, mate, I feel like a mosquito in a nudist colony today. I don't, there's so much news, I don't know where to start. There's, there's so much interesting stuff to cover. So I'm very excited about today. Get up, mate. Well, I, I'm, I'm ready. Let's do it. So, what we're going to cover today? So, we're going to talk. We're going to we're going to go around the around the garden a bit today. So, we're going to talk about um, the the story about interest rates. So, announcements um, in Europe and uh, North America and the RBA on on interest rates. We're going to talk a bit about uh, the property markets for January. We're also going to talk about the commodities market. And let me tell you, I'm salivating about the conversation we're going to have about the oil market. Mm-hmm. Oil hit 90 bucks today, so we're going to get to that. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we're going to um, talk a bit about stock markets. Um, uh, Facebook got smashed today, and there's a lot of interesting stuff happening in tech. But honestly, we, as we say every week, we cover a lot of interesting things, and, and we're, we're pretty, uh, you know, we, we like to open the shoulders up here at um, uh, at Sparkify. We take some swings at lots of different uh, different ways of thinking. And one of the reasons I think we get a lot of things right is because we're not we're not held back by anything other than our own opinion. So, uh, so I'm excited to have a chat to you. Shall we do- dive right in? Go. All right. So the first, let's talk about let's talk about interest rates because uh, one thing that we didn't discuss last week, as you said, was that the uh, the Federal Reserve at their um, open markets committee last week um, said that they were going to raise rates uh, in um, in in March. So that in the February at the February meeting, they announced that they were going to uh, increase rates in March. We also found out that the UK two days ago raised their overnight rates from um, 0.25 to 0.5. So we'll go into that. And the RBA um, made a statement on Tuesday. So we'll, we'll, we'll go to go to each of them, but kick us off uh, with the, the Fed increase. What, what What's the Fed telling you um, with the March increase? The Fed last year, late last year in December, sort of hinted towards that they will be heading towards QT and possible rate rises in 2022. And since then, what we have seen is the financial markets overall slowing down a bit and even pulling back. Uh, and especially the risk on assets like crypto and all, uh, and stock market is a risk on as well to some extent, are uh, seeing a fair bit of full pullback at the start of this year. Because um, the meeting that happened in Jan um, Jerome Powell pretty clearly laid out that they will be doing QT and also uh, they will be raising rates. Um, and I think what we are seeing is currently markets sort of pricing in those rate rises to some extent or the talk of rate rises. And if it was to actually happen, I think... Uh, like we said at the very start of this year, the very first episode that we did, it's going to be a very roller coaster ride, uh, especially with the high inflation numbers. And if Fed is going to do QT, then there's a pro- possible economic slowdown as well. So we'll get into that. But uh, I'm I'm keen to see what you think, John, uh, in general about yeah. what Fed is saying. So the the Fed the Fed is keeping up with market expectations the the market expected an an announcement on on higher interest rates but actually you know i've got a slightly different take at most um fed meetings 
they announce that they will increase rates and then they increase rates that month. They actually, I mean, one one slightly alternative way of viewing the um, the February meeting is that they didn't increase rates. They deferred the, the increase in rates to March. So I, I actually see this as a, a lack of conviction on higher interest rates. So they will they will increase rates in in March. Actually, we don't know by how much and and how many times. But but I feel like they're delaying the increases. And I so I think that the market is factoring in too many rate increases. Shortly after the the meeting in February, the um, various Fed presidents from the the the, the various uh, member cities started walking back the amount of uh, rate increases that there were going to be. I think Bullard was saying that there were going to be six rate increases this year. He's down to two um, and various others. So I think the market is scratching its head as to what interest rate increases mean. Inflation requires higher rates, but that doesn't mean they're going to do it. It could, uh, you know, you sent me a chart yesterday, Jazz, about how in the 70s they allowed rates to stay too low. I think the 70s. Uh, so that they let the inflation burn out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so my, my take on the Fed meeting is that you know they'll they'll increase rates twenty five basis points in March. They're they're, tr- they're not going to try to get ahead of this. And and the uh, you know again like if in doubt zoom out. The big problem America's got too much debt. The, the West the world has got too much debt. But if if America's you know going to be like defending Ukraine and Taiwan and all these things. They can't have a situation where interest rates go to say five percent, and the um, interest on the debt is twice the military budget. Just to, to take a really geopolitical perspective, so interest rates will go up a little bit, but they can't go up as as much as is probably required mm-hmm. because it's like shooting themselves in the foot. So this is the this is the thing that I was trying to discuss with you, John, just before the recording. Uh, mm-hmm. A quick minute that we spent on it. Two thousand twenty-one pre-COVID. Right or during the COVID period, mm. we saw uh, economic slowdown complete, uh, completely. Everything came to halt, uh, essentially. And uh, but the inflation numbers at that time were fairly low, right? Uh, so Fed was able to do plenty of QE during that period without worrying about inflation to pick to help pick up the economic growth, right? The environment that we are currently in right now. Economic, if Fed was to start doing QT instead of QE, which is quantitative tightening, and um, cause of that, if economic growth was to slow down, plus we are seeing these CPI numbers around five to six percent, seven percent, right? How is Fed going to tackle? How are the markets going to react react to this? scenario because seems like that's the scenario that we're playing with right now where inflation is high qt is about to get started or at least the talk and also the interest rate rises right which means the economic growth has to slow down but the inflation print is going to be much higher so what does that mean for the market if if i'm making any sense yeah, I think I yeah, um, I think we're being presumptuous to say that there'll be QT. I think that there'll be an absence of QE, but I don't think that that equals tightening. I think that that's just an absence of QE. Um, I think that there's going to it's going to be a bit like 2018. There's going to be a, a, a 
paper tantrum. We're already seeing it. I mean, tech is getting slammed. Um, and, uh, and I think that they're going to keep a lid on the rhetoric around higher rates. Um, you know, can I go on a slight tangent about, about QE though? Mm-hmm, sure. Super quick. So the um, back in 2008 to 2010, there was massive stimulus. QE was kicked off for the first time. And um, we'd never seen this before. Now, the Fed has two years before they have to release any Freedom of Information Act um, information. So the question at the time was, where did all the money go? back in 2008 to 2010. And there were some people who tried to get the freedom of information information out. Um, and then there was a, a 10 year delay. So we finally, so 2022 is 10 years after um, 2012, which is after the original Freedom of Information Act. Where am I going with this? We finally know where the 2008 to 2010 stimulus money went. And we were told at the time that the Fed stimulated by $5 trillion, you know, and we, we found out where it went, you know, some to the banks and so on. This week, and it's just not being reported, just it's just nowhere to be seen. Mm-hmm. We now know that between 2008 to 2010, instead of creating $5 trillion worth of QE, they actually created $29 trillion worth of QE because the um, the Fed printed money and essentially sort of shoveled it into Europe and Japan. What I'm saying, the reason I say that is bec- is that there was never an end to QE <laughs> over the last decade. QE never really stopped. Um, I, and I think that when we find out how much they really spent this time around, it's going to make our ears burn. I don't think there is a there is QT in any meaningful way. I just think we don't know what's going on. Right. So long way to explain it. Mm-hmm. There is no QT. Mm-hmm. I, I see what you mean by um, it's basically accounting, right? How are you doing accounting yeah. of the numbers, right? So, uh, yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's, a, there's a scenario where you can say, you know what, they'll still be doing QE plus raising rates. There's, there's that possible scenario as well. So, it, well, I think that's why the markets are in a bit of a turmoil at the mm-hmm. moment. It's we are seeing uh, right at the start of the year, like you said, tech sector has been slammed, roughly by what fifty percent, sixty percent, depending upon the stocks that you look yeah. at. Like Zoom, as an example, is down eighty percent. So, I think I think that would be the story to watch this year. But back to one of the things that you were mentioning before. Uh, UK has already raised their interest rates, right? So we saw that article come out yesterday or today. Um, and all the other central banks are talking about it. RBA has mentioned that 2023 is likely, 2022 it will happen. Oh, there's a chance that it can happen. Because um, this podcast has always been biased towards the property a little bit, right? What is your take on uh, with what we are seeing currently in the news and the policy changes that are being talked? If the narrative was to meet the reality, what do you, how do you see the property market? Property market. Um, so my take on the property market is that you can still increase interest rates without, but but still have accommodating monetary policy. So you can still stimulate or be too stimulatory and be raising rates at the at the, at the same time. Let me give you an example. If um if 
interest rates are, say, 2% and inflation is, say, 6%, real interest rates are negative 4%. So negative 4% interest rates is essentially the banks are paying you to borrow, right? Okay, because the interest rate is lower than the inflation rate. Mm -hmm. If we put interest rates up by 1%, so that means that the interest rate is now 3%, but inflation is still 6%, that means real interest rates are not as stimulatory, but they're still negative 3%. So you're still, so interest monetary policy is still too loose. It's still, we're still stimulating um, to the wazoo. Mm -hmm. It's just not as bad as before. So, I mean, what do I think it'll happen to the property market? My view is that the foot is still on the accelerator. It's not on the brake. And maybe we've slowed down from 250 you know, kilometres an hour down to 180 kilometres an hour, but we're still going too fast and policy is still too irresponsible, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what's going to happen to the property markets is anyone's guess, and I, I don't know, I... I probably prognosticate too much, but I still think that I still think that the, the settings are overall f- pro stimulus mm-hmm. uh, for now, at least. And I still think that there's room in the property markets to grow. And that doesn't mean every market, but I, I can't. I don't know anyone saying that Brisbane isn't going to grow this year, for mm-hmm. example. So, what's your what's your take on that? Let, yeah, let's do let's do property. <laughs> uh, so, property is interesting. I think some, and we again, discussed this as well in the last couple of episodes, I think it was. Some states, I think, will do extremely well. I know you are still bullish on Sydney in particular. Right? Yeah. Uh, I, I think property overall, overall will still still do okay, but most of the heavy lifting has already been done. Uh, yep. This year, uh, purely because of the uncertainty around the policymakers, surrounding the policymakers, I think there will be a general slowdown in the market. Uh, growth will still be positive, but there will be general slowdown um, until it becomes clear what the final policy is uh, moving forward with the with the QT, QE interest rates and also looking at some of the economic ind- indicators such as PMI and all. Like if you look at PMI, it's, it's coming down at the moment. It's There's clearly a, a slow in... Uh, growth uh, when you look at the manufacturing index. So I think all of those together will try and help navigate the markets, but it's a bit early because the year's only started. Fed is only just starting to take take action. At the moment, it's all talk. Um, And the talk is already priced in into all asset classes, in my opinion. So Mm -hmm. stock markets are correction, crypto stumbled big time, property market has slowed down. So talk has already been... uh, uh, priced into the markets it's more the uh when the actual rate rises happen and how fast they happen if they happen uh uh will tell what what the what the year is going to do in my opinion what's going to end up happening is fred is going to play a game and the game is going to be is at first do the job warning which is what currently is happening and that will help uh pull the markets back a bit so take the bubble out of the markets and then maybe do just a rate rise to uh, slow down the financial markets a bit, uh, but not for five or six rate hikes, but probably one or two, along with the job warning that they're already doing. So yeah. I think together all that is going to uh, decide what these markets are going to do this year. 
And the thing that I think is actually telling you the story of what's going in the market, which I know we are about to jump onto soon, is the oil and the gold. I think they are telling mm-hmm. a story uh, or the price is telling a story. Uh, yep. So uh, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of conflict within the central banks about what to do. So, for example, the UK put their rates up 25 basis points this week, and we know that out of the nine-person committee, four wanted to raise rates more than 25 basis points, and so obviously they were voted against. But um, then we had um, the RBA coming out this week saying, look, we might move this year, but we probably won't. And they said, you know, look, uh, we're not in the same position as Walling, uh, Washington and Wellington where they have real inflation problems. They said Australia doesn't have the same problem. I don't know if I agree with that, but but they said, you know, we, we'll we'll do rate rises in our own time. And the, the dollar went, the Aussie dollar went down um, and, you know, gold went up in, in dollar terms. And uh, the markets read that as the, the RBA is going to be more patient than the Fed. So what we'll probably see a lower dollar this year. Now, a lower dollar could mean for the real estate markets that it just invites foreign buyers back. So we're back to 2015. Mm-hmm. I can I can definitely see that happening where the, the Aussie dollar goes below 70 cents and suddenly uh, Sydney real estate prices become competitive in, in like anchor currencies, like in US dollar terms, you'd see the um, Australian property prices to go down and foreign buyers come in. All that stuff is possible. So I see a much weaker Aussie dollar this year, and I see that actually supporting real estate prices. Um, but no, I, th- I think the, the 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 heavy moves have been done, but I think actually that Sydney and, and some other markets are going to surprise this year to the upside, but I don't know if that's going to be Q1. Mm-hmm. So if I go to, to have a quick look at some data, though, and we, it's only January, you know, we're, we're beginning of February, so there's not a lot of data to read, and we certainly don't want to make too much of the data that, that, that does exist. Mm-hmm. But if I run through a couple of the main capitals and describe the January growth, um, Sydney grew by 0.6 of a percent, and that was the same as Perth. So that's pretty good, um, pretty good growth for a month. Melbourne grew by 0.2% was the worst performing capital, but it still grew. Mm-hmm. Brisbane Brisbane, and Adelaide are absolutely on fire. So Brisbane grew by 2.2%, um, <laughs> 2.2% in a month, right? So that's like 24% a year. And Adelaide did about the same at 2.1%. So, um, so wow, wow. I mean, you know, all, all the rumours about Brisbane are uh, being on fire is true, but also, I mean, Sydney is the most expensive capital, still growing at a pretty good tick. Mm-hmm. It's impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, for me on the, on the real estate market, I get Brisbane, I get the demographics there, I get Sydney, I get Melbourne. You know, like they're all they'll all take their turn and they'll zigzag higher over time. What's the case for Adelaide though? It's Melbourne, Melbourne money, Melbourne and Sydney money moving to Adelaide. That's that's the case here. Um, inter- interstate migration with people tired of lockdowns, expensive mm. house prices, uh, flexibility, flexibility to work, you know what, easy life, relaxed lifestyle. So rather than paying for a, uh, uh, rather than paying million bucks for a house in Melbourne and almost, I think Sydney's medium prices, I think I read an article was somewhere around 1.6 million now. Yeah. Uh, you can get a house in Adelaide close to the city live a relaxed lifestyle for half a mil. Why not? Makes perfect sense. As long as work gives you the flexibility. And when you see companies like Atlassian and all, which are the tech companies, letting you 
permanently work from home. Uh, so are people moving to Adelaide or, or investors from Sydney and Melbourne buying in Adelaide but staying in Sydney? I, I, think, it, the, I think it's both. Uh, right. With the investor uptake, uh, it's investor activity is going to increase in those two states as well, but it's actually people relocating. I know right. people personally who have said who really want to move to Adelaide. So, mm, uh, yeah. Uh, Interesting. All right. But without getting too distracted and going too much into the property, because today we are not just talking property, we're talking yeah. about something in the macro landscape. Oil and gold market is telling a story, especially oil, right? Um, and we did discuss oil on the pod a few weeks ago as well. Uh, it's the canary in the coal mine. Yes, it and is. with the talk of the interest rate rises and also Russia and Ukraine story, what are you, is the price telling you a story here? And what, what are your thoughts in general? Yep. Yep. So, so it's really good timing for us to be chatting about oil. We're one of the few podcasts that talk about this all the time as a, as a key statistic, the oil price plus the 10 year yield, which we haven't talked about today, but um, the oil price got, went over 90 bucks today, 90 US dollars for crude. Now the, the reason that, the markets are saying is the supply issues and and um, fear around the Ukraine, but a Ukraine invasion. But we're not really seeing that fear trade jump into the gold price. I mean, gold's doing okay, but it's not it's not responding like oil. If and if that were true around, you know, fear trade around natural gas supplies, you you would think that, that there'd be a bigger response to the gold market. So I, I think that the oil. oil Crude oil is the canary in the coal mine for true inflation, right? And actually, here's a slightly sinister take, which I think is actually probably more accurate than even I think. I think that in a highly in- inflation is the process of printing the money. Inflation isn't prices going up and down. So inflation is when money is printed or currency is created, and that that flows into high prices. I think that <clears throat> I think that. Um, I think that they want um, inflation to flow into the oil market because it's not captured by the CPI, so that they can. It's like a it's like a sink. the The currency goes into the oil market. Um, prices go up for oil, but they never need to record it for um, for, C- for the CPI. I think the same can be said sl- uh, to a lesser extent for real estate prices. So if you print a bunch of money and it goes into the real estate prices, you never need to acknowledge that in your inflation numbers. It, it bypasses the CPI. So I see these as all like sinks for for, for ways of hiding inflation. Mm-hmm. Um, so it never hits the data. Um, I think there's some ge- genuine, you know, like the Ukraine story, I suppose, is somewhat genuine. But I, that's what I think. I think it's a way of hiding it from the, keeping it out of the CPI. They need to like it's like shaking shaking up a coke bottle, and then like turning the lid a little bit, letting some of the the, the gas out. The, the way they do that is to let it go into the oil price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny you said that's that's true with the same story with the real estate as well. Um, but I think it's acting at the moment. If we look at, I think the two things that are really acting as an inflation hedge right now, after looking at the CPI print, have been either the uh, US dollar, which has gone up. Uh, compared to other currencies. And the other one is hidden in oil. We are seeing the oil prices going up. Gold is holding steady. And that's telling a story as well. Uh, so to have three of them tell that the inflation generally this year will be more towards the higher side. 
uh, and the hedge for that at this very point in time, based on the current narrative that's going on in the uh, policymaker land, is that um, oil and um, some of the other commodities are probably the play uh, for the for the year, in my opinion. Uh, actually, it won't even surprise me that if we see oil hundred plus very soon, to be honest. If we see oil, what sorry. 100 plus US. Oh, yes, yes. <clears throat> yeah. I've always, I mean, I said it, I think, two weeks ago, but I, I've always, I agree with you on $100 oil, certainly probably in the, f- the first six months of this year. But, you know, the in the in during the 2008 <clears throat> crash where we had what was essentially another big inflation, it's just, that, again, it doesn't get reported properly, um, the oil price got to $145. And that's when the markets go, we're done, like too much inflation in the system and it all crashed. <clears throat> I think the same thing is going to happen. I think oil is going to be the, the the canary in the coal mine, but I just think it's going to be higher than $145. So it'll be around, around $200 a barrel is when you know that things are sort of reaching the end of their life in terms of this cycle. Mm-hmm. So just, just that that's just kind of, my back of an envelope mm. prognostication. I think that's that's how you know it's 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 running out of time. That's good. Yeah. One question that I had when you were talking about the inflation or the CPI print doesn't have oil prices and the real estate price uh, taken into account from an inflation perspective. I know we have discussed about real estate a little bit in the past of why it's not accounted in the inflation and all that stuff. Do you think oil is the same story as well, that it's the hidden inflation that they're trying to uh, pass on? Or uh, what's the reason that the oil price is moving up is not taken into account into inflation? Or the CPI? Oh, well, the, the reason they gave, <clears throat> I think it changed at the end of the 80s when they redefined all these all these things. But I think it's because they say it's too volatile, same as food. So they try to keep energy prices out of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Rusty. But you know, is is this is the market telling us that we're in an energy crisis? Because there's there's not a lot of drilling going on. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, if you, you, some may say that's a good thing, others may say it's a bad thing or it's short sighted. But <clears throat> you know, do we have an energy crisis? Do we have any uh, energy uh, types that can replace oil? I don't. I mean, I don't know enough about this, but yeah. we could be in the middle of an energy crisis that we created for ourselves. Yeah, I think the biggest worry at the moment is probably the the Russia and the Ukraine story. Story, um, whether we are actually in the uh, oil crisis of any time, uh, who knows, man? Who knows how much is there under the uh, ground? So it's always hard to tell these things. Just, just a couple of punters, exactly. But guys, if you like what we're doing here. Um, like, share, subscribe, um, send us an email uh, in the notes below. Uh, let's crack on to the next point, eh, uh, Jazz? What have what else have we got, actually? Uh, well, the, ne- the next thing's the, the markets. <clears throat> I think it's our f- final, final topic. So the markets, <clears throat> markets have been um, – so the Dow Jones is down about 10 or 11%. Mm-hmm. But that, that is within a broader tech crash. Which is down a lot more overnight. <clears throat> uh, Meta or Facebook um, got slammed, so I think they went down about twenty five percent in one session. And because they <clears throat> they gave some guidance that the market didn't like. Um, yeah, what's so? T- tell me what, what's your what's your take on stock market? We don't do stock market that much, but uh, let's give it a let's give it a go. 
So I think what's happening, John, here is post the Fed announcement again. I think we are seeing is some kind of a rotation happening over here from growth stocks into more of value stocks. And I think value stocks plus the some of the commodities will be the story of the year. The growth stocks, which are likes of Zoom, Facebook, Tesla, all of them, uh, Netflix, I think they, um, they've run out of steam now. And plus, if the interest rates were to rise, um, these businesses, they don't really make profit, right? So they have been just a growth story for, uh, for all this time. So I think um, if the narrative, again, there's a big if here, if the narrative was to meet the reality of the interest rate rises and the QT and economic slowdown, I think we are about to see a big rotation from growth into value stocks. And value stocks could be things like consumer staples and all that stuff, con consumer discretionary items. Uh, so I think I think that's what's happening currently along with the uh, energy producers. So those two together, I think will be the story of the year, but it's a little early to tell. There's a big if over there. If, if things were to play out the way we think they will play out, in my opinion. So it uh, doesn't surprise at all that some of the tech stocks like Zoom, Netflix, they're done by 70, 80%, right? So, uh, mm -hmm. but they saw a run up uh, over the last few years, two years. Uh, the prices just went crazy. Uh, it was almost like a crypto market, meme stocks and all that stuff, uh, that they went up six, seven, 800%. And now what we are seeing is the opposite of, you know what, these companies don't really make any money and the interest rates are going to rise. If the interest rates are going to rise and they're not making money, where the money is going to come from for these businesses, which means the smart investors or the big funds are doing a rotation over here, in my opinion. That's what's going on. Yep, yep. And look, it's, I, I think you're right. I think it's a rotation where, you know, tech got uh, overblown during the COVID uh, years when, you know, everyone thought we're going to be on Zoom forever and, and, and perhaps we will, but... I think there's a big rotation out of tech and into energy, which, we, you know, like energy and therefore banking as well. So the banking stocks are doing well, the energy stocks are doing well, and money is coming out of tech. Mm -hmm. um, my personal take is that, you know, again, we look at the 10-year yield. I don't think this is the crash. Everyone's talking about the crash. I, don't, I see this as a cyclical correction. Um, the market's correct by 10% every year. Um, so this, this is sort of normal. You know, we're at the sort of upper edge of that range, but um, <clears throat> there's nothing I'm seeing. What I, I see this as a sort of a holding pattern period where we've got a pullback and eventually the markets, maybe the next couple of months, <clears throat> will decide that, that, that there won't be as many interest rates, interest rate increases as they think. And I think we're actually possibly off to the, off to the races again after that. So I'll make a bold call over here. Yeah, I think the first few months, probably the start of Q2, we are going to see uh, a fair bit of volatility in the market. And if close to start of Q2, Fed was to increase the rates, I think we are seeing a correction of more than 20% or close to 20% in S&P 500. And NASDAQ, to some extent, has already got that priced in, uh, and there will be some more correction in there as well. I think I think that's what's going to end up happening. So I, I don't think, long story short, I don't think the correction is over. Right, okay. Uh, that 12% was the early, 
Now we are seeing is some bounce back, but mm. it's going to uh, come down further and close to 20, 25%, I think will be the correction. Yeah. Uh, and along, and I think that will give Fed enough confidence to uh, increase the rates maybe only once or twice um, just to slow down the markets and plus take all the bubble out, all the, all the, all the crazy uh, punters out of the market to some extent. Yeah. There's one other, one other, sorry, I'm going to frog in my throat. There's one, one other aspect about Fed policy, <clears throat> pardon me, and um, and interest rate increases. I think the central banks around the world genuinely believe that the reason we have inflation is not their low interest rates and monetary policy, it's because of the supply chain. <clears throat> and I think that they would otherwise be leaving interest rates low, um, except for what they are. So I think they perceive the supply chain issues as the reason that there is... Um, uh, inflation, which is true. I mean, when you tell people not to go to work, goods and services don't get produced and money printing makes prices go up. But <clears throat> I think they're going to, going to want to see supply chain issues um, correct before they start tightening because you could be trying to like peel a grape with a hammer. Like it, you could be creating a lot of damage <clears throat> by raising rates Um before the supply chain issues have sorted themselves out. So I think, you know, that's why I think they want to go slow. I think they want to see what happens with um, shipping and and production and manufacturing before they raise rates too much. Mm-hmm. So I think you are right on that, that supply chain is partly the problem, but I don't think that is itself going to fix the inflation story. I think that's right. probably the 30% of the problem. I actually read an article yesterday in one of the financial newspapers that salaries of tech workers have increased by more than 50% in the last one year. And when you look at tradies, uh, if you get any job done from a tradie at home, their prices have gone up substantially. And that's labor prices, not the products mm. or the supplies. It's the labor price we're talking about over here, right? So I think you are right on the supply side or the supply chain side. But that's only part of the story. That's 25 to 30% of the story. The rest is uh, all the other different things that are lining up. Well, I think the reason for the um, inflation is COVID lockdowns plus money printing. But I think that the, the central bankers don't don't want to acknowledge that it was monetary policy that created the inflation. So they're blaming the supply chain, even though that's not, not the main reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, but yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I think you know, energy's probably due a pullback here, but I mean, who knows, right? Mm-hmm. This is where it <clears throat> comes back to something we always say in this podcast: is you know, you, you can you can decide what to buy and what to sell. We certainly, I'm certainly not a trader. I have no idea, but just decide rather than what what do you want to buy, decide what you want to own. Deciding what you want to own in say 2030 is much more important than deciding what to buy and sell in 2022. Mm-hmm. So think about what you know, how you want to make your wealth, and what you need to own to get there. Yeah. Anything else, mate? No, I think uh, <laughs> a lot of interesting stuff ha- stuff happening this year uh, with the uh, policy policy changes and all. Yeah. Uh, will be a story to be watched, and uh, a lot of money will be made. A lot of money will be lost, depending upon how you play the markets. I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Thank you for giving us your time, uh, guys. We, you know, we, we, we love doing this podcast. Hopefully you get something out of it. Of course, if you do get something out of it, like it, share it, send it to your friends. You know, there's a couple of kooky guys on, uh, 
uh, on uh, this podcast that that we think that you might get something out of. <clears throat> Not afraid to make a prediction and be completely wrong. Um, but of course, none of this is advice. Um, we don't know your uh, circumstances and um, and uh, and you know we're, we're wrong most of the time. So so certainly don't take this as advice. Um, if you want to send us a question or leave us some feedback, uh, there's an email in the notes below. Um, otherwise, have fun, stay safe, and we'll see you on the podcast next week. Jo- John and Jazz.